0: Today's episode of Off the Ice on the Monkey Sports Podcast is brought to you by V1, the only you already know it, hockeymonkey.com. If you haven't yet, check out the all new redesigned hockeymonkey.com. While you're over there, plug in promo code podcast10. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, the number 1010. 1, 10% off your entire order. Some exclusions may apply at hockeymonkey.com. Let's jump into a fun episode of Off the Ice today. We had a beat writer from the Dallas Stars blog defending Big D, Rob McClay, on one of our buddies. Let's get into it. Right out.
1: The Demons have been exercised! Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Pittsburgh! We're going to Tampa!
0: Welcome back to another episode of Off the Ice on the Monkey Sports Podcast here in August. We had, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, a fun one with Robert McClay from Defending Big D, one of our buddies, one of my friends from college that's now a writer for the Dallas Stars. We get into a lot of Stars talk, a lot of sports writing talks. So if you're not a Stars fan, maybe not the episode for you, but stick around to listen to a little bit into kind of the psyche of a sports writer standing by takes all that fun stuff. Nice long-winded interview, so we'll be nice and quick here at the beginning and the end, but Grayson, how's it going, buddy?
1: It's going good. Uh, it was a really fun interview. Like, I love talking to people who know hockey from that sort of standpoint of, you know, he understands how the, how the game's being played, and he's, under, he's watching every night. He's understanding what's going on in and out of a season. So it, it's a fun conversation for anyone who wants to see kind of like a writer's perspective on the whole uh, season, not just from the Dallas Stars, but just overall. Yeah, for sure. I think we kind of make an interesting
0: point of, and Robert kind of talks about this that, you know, being a hockey player and seeing the game, and especially like a hockey coach like yeah. he is now, you see the game from such a different way. But like, I've really appreciated kind of being in this role of, like, I'm a passing stars fan. I'm a passing hockey fan. Yeah. Like, I'll watch it and I enjoy it, but I'm not going to, you know, I don't know every in and out. Exactly. Right. So it's cool to kind of be, on both sides of it right and kind yeah. of understand a little bit of the analytic side and then also like as a fan of just sports as a whole so i think it's it's a really cool interview and it's definitely one to stick around for but one thing i kind of wanted to touch on and we talked a little bit about this in the goalie podcast the other week mm-hmm. and we talked about it with rob too is like the future of hockey yeah and like i feel like we're kind of in this weird you kind of saw this like an nfl like probably two or three years ago that especially with quarterbacks like you know when Peyton Manning retired there was kind of this dead zone of like there's no real superstars and like Tom Brady was kind of on the back end of it yeah. or is on the back end of his career but I feel like hockey's kind of inching that way right we talked about it with goalies especially like the yeah. big name goalies are kind of going away but like we're getting to a point where like the Ovechkins of the world like they're not young guys so yeah. I, I'm curious to see and I'm curious to hear your take too about like who the next future of hockey is going to be and who the next like big face is going to be as we're Mm -hmm. kind of in this like transition period from a fan standpoint.
1: Yeah. I feel like I understand what you mean by that. And I feel like if you look back towards, you know, like Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky type era where it was those huge guys. Mm -hmm. And now you move forward and you have from the same two sports that I mentioned, you know, LeBron, LeBron, and then you have, uh, like, Crosby and Ovechkin. Like, you have two guys who are, like, kind of superstars. But I feel like it was different then, especially with, like, Jordan and Gretzky. Because it was, like, Gretzky was, like, hands down the best. And right. then there was Lemieux. And, like, Lemieux was, like, kind of mentioned. But he had a actually a very short career for what he should have had. Right. And so it's kind of, like, interesting to see how, like, that was. And I, we weren't, obviously, around during that time. Mm-hmm. So we've seen... Now, with Ovechkin's entire career, he's been playing basically as long as I can remember, like, coherently watching hockey right, and understanding yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. And uh, and then, like, Crosby, same thing. Yeah, I remember them coming into the league, and I remember watching them from when they were really young and then watching especially Crosby, you know, win several Stanley Cups, score the gold medal goal, mm-hmm. you know, you know, win MVPs and be this amazing player. And if you look back, it's like Crosby's the best player in the league right now. I mean, maybe not right now. Yeah, but, but for, he, a for like eight years. Yeah, eight to 12. Yeah, Sid the Kid. So he was that. And then you had Ovechkin, who's the greatest goal scorer of all time. Yeah, And so it's interesting to see. But I think going ahead um, for hockey, you got to look at McDavid. I think McDavid's that next step. He's that next, he's going to be around for a long time. He's going to be incredible for a long right. time. But it's, we're not going to feel that effect until maybe five years from now when he starts like throwing up consistent numbers, which he already has. Mm-hmm. But he starts throwing up these numbers for years and years and years. And you're like, oh, wait, he's on track to beat this record by this date. like You know, something crazy right. like that. And you're filling that with Ovechkin with the goal record right now, which... This I, I want to talk about this more later on, mm-hmm. not right now, but in a, on another podcast about Ovechkin and the goal race that he's on right now with this season. Kind we'll of, get him in an episode. Later yeah, it's in. kind of yeah. We'll call in uh, <laughs> and get Ovechkin that would on be the podcast. Awesome, that'd be insane. That would be so awesome. Anyway, um, but yeah, it, it, this season's kind of hindering where he's going. Sure. For so I don't know if he's gonna reach it anymore. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I hope he does. It's really not that far of a reach for him. We talked about it in an earlier episode, maybe the first one that we did. He's like thirty
0: three. Like every time I think of Edgekin, I think he's like 38 because he just looks old. Yeah, he's he, got, like an old man. He's got the gray hair and everything. Yeah. But like, and he's like, he still has a solid, he's I like, don't know, six years of strong production. Uh
1: huh. And with the, I remember specifically Tyler talking about this the way that he plays is he plays like a very like, injury prone game right. in a way where it's like of you. he could yeah. get hurt. Yeah. Like, so, and unlike Crosby, who has had concussion trouble because he was also getting headhunted when he was younger. Oh, absolutely. Pun, yeah. So it's interesting to see, like, those guys kind of start tapering off. And Ovechkin, he's not going anywhere. He's going to be on the cover of NHL 21, Mm -hmm. like – He's he's not going anywhere. They put out that picture of the old picture of him with when he had the huge like reflective visor. The
0: smoke. What an yeah, awful yeah. look that was.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like that kid comes in the league. You're not. Come on, you gotta be scared.
0: No, I mean absolutely, see, especially when he's coming barreling down. At yeah, you, you, you see with this still, this, was, this
1: Russian tank running yeah. at you on the ice you're like, Oh, It's like, like the
0: old like frosty tip era it was brutal.
1: Yeah, some of those draft pictures are hilarious. Yes, yeah. um. But-
0: to kind of go off a point or maybe to kind of blend two points that you made, you talked about basketball and like how we're kind of, uh, you know, LeBron obviously has been this dominant force in the league for 15 years. But I plus. feel like that's
1: going to the same place where right. it's like you have like Giannis and then you have, you know, some other guys. I mean, Curry kind of, I don't really think, like Curry's kind of in the same like I mean, yeah, LeBron of, race kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's but
0: interesting the, to see. The point that I was going to make about that though and what I am excited for. So I'm I'm excited and I'm, Maybe not hesitant the word to use, but it's going to be interesting because I feel like they're kind of going away from, like, the one-horse town. Like, we're, like as from a marketing standpoint, we're only going to market this one guy, right? And it was, like, all Sidney Crosby, and then you see him get headhunted, right? Because yeah. if I'm another guy, if I'm a, you know, five-time all-star and I you don't hear a word of my name anywhere, yeah, I'd be a little probably bitter about that. And if yeah. I see a kid coming with his head down... You know, maybe I'm more inclined to do that.
1: You know what I've been seeing a lot? It's a lot of, like, duo-era stuff now. Right, yes. It's, like, Uh these two dudes are... Or, like, ten. Yeah. yeah.
0: Which I think is cool, and I think that that, like... I think that they're going to start marketing... Hockey's going to start doing it, and I think basketball's starting it now, too, of, like, the superstars with an S, right? Mm -hmm. Like, look at all these awesome players. Look at all this awesome Yeah, and we kind of alluded to that in the episode
1: as well with the Dallas Stars, where they have, like a Ben Sagan era right now they have like the on a goalie perspective of Mm. things. They have Bishop Kudobin, which isn't really long running, but then they had back. And I talked about this after was the Niemi Niemi years. Yep. So it's like kind of that duo look at things is really interesting to look at.
0: Yeah. Which I, again, I'm excited for. And I think, yeah, it's going to be like McDavid, Marner, like a lot of the guys that are the young and up and coming guys, I think we'll see kind of a more.
1: Marner's kind of in that the... situation with Matthews, though.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, not Marner. No, not no, I, I know what but, you meant, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, yeah, yeah. But still, those young guys that it's like, hey, yeah. look, we've got ten like budding Dreis- superstars, Seidel. right? Yeah.
1: So, I feel like you're gonna start seeing uh, kind of like duos a lot mm-hmm. more now. But even in every duo, you have the one that's just the clear. Well, they make the
0: one thing is this, like they did this with Crosby and and Ovechkin too, and I understand like obviously they played on like teams that played each other a lot and teams that were both very yeah. successful. But it's like they make this kind of like makeshift rivalry between the players, and I feel like Ovechkin and Crosby never really were like, oh, I hate that guy, or oh, I'm trying. It's like yeah, they're gonna compete and they're gonna try to be the best. But
1: in their history,
0: I feel like it was just blown into like yeah. But there's also the number one, you know. <laughs> there's also
1: a video that I saw. I forget who posted it but it's hilarious it's a it's a video of ovechkin holding up his phone or like a camera like at crosby and he's like who's gonna win The thing it was like the heart mm-hmm. and he's like crosby's like you are <laughs> <laughs> and so, so like i imagine and i'm pretty sure i've heard a little bit of it where it's like they were never bitter towards right, each other exactly like growing up or like you know towards like yeah, their yeah, world yeah. juniors yeah. and then getting into the nhl i don't think they were ever like hated each other but when it gets to game time like you kind of have to
0: right and again yeah they're going to be competitors but like it's not going to be like Isaiah Thomas Michael Jordan like where there's genuine like I don't like that guy and yeah. like there's going to be I feel be like it's gone away
1: in sports but I think didn't so we too. talk about that before or like we've mentioned it uh maybe Probably on podcast so. or off I, I know I've talked about this before with some people where it's like this hate rivalry is like gone in right. a way because right. if, if like I feel like Especially with, like, social media, you're a lot more familiar with who's on yeah, the Yeah, and they're energy.
0: friends now, right? And they're doing everything together. You're yeah. sponsored by the same companies. You're doing the yeah. same marketing spots. Like, and you kind of like can't growing really up, hate anybody anymore.
1: Growing up, I kind of feel like, isn't that how, I don't know, personally, when I would go against travel teams, I feel like every kid on the other team was just an awful person. <laughs> is that is that how you were uh, in, like, lacrosse? But it's like, when you're versing a team, you're like, wow, I hate all these kids. I would hate hate to be like around all that but then you like get to know people yeah and you're like oh everyone's like really cool and you like know people in the league they're actually really cool people but then you just look against these teams that you would know nothing about but i just I, I don't know growing up i always had this like man i hate those people like so much i
0: guess maybe to an extent there was like the preconceived notions of like oh yeah i don't like those guys because of x y or z but i can't think of any time that i was like well eh, i guess maybe mean maybe a good point but but again, like, like you said, you spend so much time with people and like, especially at a professional level, like you're seeing those guys, yeah, multiple exactly. times a year. like,
1: I just feel like if you're more familiar you really with a person, you have, have like a less, your preconceived notions go away when you meet someone. Yeah, right? exactly. So it's, yeah. yeah. So I don't know how many times like you meet someone or like first impression of someone you're like, I don't really like them. And then you yeah. actually get to know them, You're like, oh, is a really cool guy. Yeah. You know, something like that. Anyway, that's
0: kind of the point that I wanted to bring up, and I think we're in a cool spot. And like, the next five years, we're going to see this, like, pretty big shift of, or rather five years from now, maybe we're going to see, like, you know, Lafernier and Matthews and McDavid and these guys that, like, have become these, mm-hmm. you know, titans of the yeah, sport. And I, it, think, I think that's awesome. I think it's going to be really cool. I think
1: moving forward to fully wrap up and give you, like, a clear answer would be my picks for, mm-hmm. like, this next immediate right now would have to be uh, for players. It's McDavid, Matthews. I don't think Marner's really going to shine all that much. I, I I don't know why I talk so much trash on him. Like I I, I like him as a player. I think yeah. he's really good. But compared to these other players, like, it's because he snubbed us for the pod. We were supposed to have um, him on, and you never. That's that's so. I'm fo- I'm for true. it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I he's a really good player, but I just don't think he's going to shine as much as the other players. Like he's going to show up on scoreboards everywhere. Yeah. yeah. But you know, McDavid's McDavid Matthews. McKinnon. Yeah. McKinnon's You mentioned Dreysidal, I like that as well. I don't love Dreysidal. I feel like Dreysidal's kind of like the uh who's who's been like a middle ground player? Like Kuznetsov, like someone that you I don't know, know like, of like, like someone like Jack like Eichel currently. Yeah, there you go. Where it's like if you watch him you're like, Man, that guy's nasty, but he's never gonna be like the center right. of attention. Right. You know, unless you're like against that team. So I feel like that's kind of like how uh dry is right now but the absolute superstars you're gonna see is mckinnon mcdavid mm-hmm. matthews um you know searching other places i mean Rope hints we talk about him yep. i feel like that guy yeah, that's be, why i wanted to bring it up he's gonna be yeah, incredible
0: like so much potential yeah. in this especially the stars yeah. team but
1: but then you gotta look at like the Tays and kane kind of deal yeah. like that's that's another duo that Tavares, happened, yeah. i mean yeah, yeah Tavares kind of deal where it's like there's a lot of really good players, but those those first three, I think, are the absolute superstars going forward. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good segue into kind of our uh, our interview with Robert McClay, as we mentioned, from Defending Big D, the local SB Nation Dallas Stars blog. As we said, we kind of talk about the uh, the psyche of being a sports writer. It's a little stars-heavy, so, again, if you're maybe a Predators fan, I don't know how much you want to keep
1: listening. <laughs> Predators uh, fans uh, are having nightmares about yeah, the Winter Classic right exactly, now.
0: Exactly, exactly. But a great interview either way. Um, obviously, we talk about stars and avalanche going on right now, and as we kind of continue the Stanley Cup run. So, without further ado, Robert McClay from Defending Big D. Alright, welcome back to Off the Ice. We are here with Robert McClay, a writer for Defending Big D, the local Dallas Stars SB Nation blog. Rob, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, guys. How are you all? We are doing well. We're happy to have you on. We were kind of talking a couple of weeks ago about wanting to get on some writers and people that are more around the backside of the sport. So I feel like, feel like this uh, worked out pretty well, huh? Well, I'm
2: glad y'all picked me out of all the other writers in DFW, but I hope that can provide some, some it, good insight.
0: It helps that uh, we have a personal relationship with you, I think, but uh, yeah, agreed. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so we'll jump right in. For those of you that kind of don't know you specifically, what's your background in hockey, a little bit kind of where you got started and, and where your career took you?
2: Yeah, so uh, kind of got involved in hockey as a kid uh, around here in the rinks in DFW. Mainly at a grapevine, um, played on a couple, you know, hot as a kid, went to travel and then played my high school hockey at uh, Marcus High School you know, all through, all through that, and then just played a few games, had a cup of coffee with the North Texas <laughs> uh, club team out of, uh, when I was in college, and other than that, just, you know, kind of playing, co- I coached for uh, Plano East High School uh, when I was in college, uh, coached the Wee team um, before life got busy, and other than that, just kind of been around the
0: game think, my entire life. So going into kind of defending a big D, I mean, obviously you've been a Stars fan for for I imagine your whole life. But going into kind of the writing aspect of it, when did you sort of start wanting to write about the Stars, and when how, kind of how did that story come about?
2: Yeah, so I kind of found the uh, the, the bug for sports writing. When I was in high school, actually. I was, uh, you know, when you when you realize you're not going to take hockey very far, uh, you kind of you try to stay involved with <laughs> in the game somehow. So I. Was, uh, I got into sports writing in high school with our local school newspaper. I covered you know, Marcus's basketball team, football team, hockey and baseball teams. And I just liked writing about sports. So when I was in, in college, I reached out to DVD and just didn't have the time to make it work at that point. But after I graduated, I figured I'd reach out again and see if I could get on the staff. And they reached back out, gave them a writing sample, and they uh, onboarded me before the 2017-18 season. So I've been covering them for three years. Uh, just a really cool outlet to kind of share your perspective as a hockey player, as a hockey coach. Broadcast your passion for a game that you know, you've been playing, you've been around your whole life. So definitely a good opportunity and good experience so
1: far. I had a similar like upbringing and sort of like grew up with hockey. So naturally, I feel like writing just comes to you with sports because you spent so much time playing them growing up. So when you have to write about it, it's just like, it's just second nature at that point. And I remember my, my uh, college essay was actually pertaining to hockey and I did really well on it because it was something that like was easy for me to write about. And you can really like put your feelings into it and any like thoughts easily because you've been around it. Do you feel like you kind of felt like a similar attraction when getting into the writing? Like this is easy to write about and I understand it. Yeah, I,
2: I definitely agree with that. I mean, it's super. It's, it's actually almost kind of a challenge for me to kind of when you're in there writing about a about a Stars game, you start to fall back on you know things you heard as a, as a player, or things you've harped on as a coach, or, you know, with younger players, you know, kind of the D zone structure, the O zone structure, the penalty kills, power play, all those tactical things that you know about as a hockey player that you've been you've been taught and then you, that's been reinforced. You almost fall back on it and you start. Getting into the vernacular and the lingo of the game, and I think my editors have to really kind of edit that stuff out. I won't. I'll speak like a hockey player when I'm writing. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a, uh, an adjustment for me to kind of clean it up a little bit. But yeah, it's super easy to write about hockey when you've been playing, and you just you just start to take out things in games. Like there was a goal in game two in the Dallas Colorado series that. Uh, McKinnon scored, and Sagan's at the point, and you can see Sagan kind of over pursued the point man, yeah. that left McKinnon open to float to the middle of the ice, and then you know Rampin then sauces that puck over to to McKinnon's wheelhouse, and he just crushes it past it open. I mean, that's the little things you pick out. Sagan doesn't pursue the puck, doesn't pursue the point man like that. He's probably in a better defensive spot. Yeah, Uh, and that goal may not happen it's just like little
1: things like that you pick out yeah I feel like you know being uh, familiar with how plays develop and everything like that is easier for a reader because if you understand it as the writer you can kind of break down and maybe defend certain roles on the ice maybe like the fan base is trashing Kadobin for you know oh he should have had that but then you can break it down from like how their defensive structure was and kind of say like, all right, maybe, he, you know, that's not on him all, all that much. Or, you know, maybe it was on a certain aspect on the ice. It's, it's good to see like as a, as a reader, someone who understands kind of how the play develops because they can go into depth and explain, you know, why this happened and how they can really come back and fix it. It's kind of crazy
2: too, because like you know, you and I as hockey players, it kind of comes back to it. You can kind of, you can kind of see a play that develops through the neutral zone and it gets into the O zone, and you can kind of tell that this might end up being a goal. And you can kind of see the goal develop. You know, two or three seconds before it actually happens, which I think that also helps. You know, with writing, in that you already have a kind of an instinct for why that happened. You can see the pinches the passes, all the other stuff that, you know, leads up to goals. And yeah. The, uh, see, they just, they, just see, they see they the pump going into the net, but they don't see, you know, two just you know, three to five seconds before that, the little intricate, you know, motions by the offense and the defense that led to a breakdown to a goal.
1: Yeah, for anyone listening, if you've missed the first few games of this Dallas Av series, it's two teams that have high caliber players up and down their roster. So if you want to see like high scoring matches with Insane highlight goals. Like, pick up this series for the rest because yeah, no th- this is an important series for the playoffs. Oh,
2: no doubt. And it's like, and it's also kind of weird watching these games. Is Dallas is scoring goals in a different way that Colorado is? Colorado is, you know, finding soft areas and they're just ripping pucks past goals. And there's Dallas, like Tyler Sagan's goal, they're getting interior at the low part of the circles and they're just mashing pucks behind behind their goals under. And even that Como goal is just the you know the probably of a good cycle out to the out to uh, I think it was the point I'm I'm having in front of me, but I mean Dallas is scoring goals in a different way than Colorado is, and it's both effective. But I would say Colorado definitely scores the prettier goals, but Dallas I think Dallas is scoring the goals that's more you know conducive to success as the series goes into a longer, in like your game five, your game six, your game seven. Yeah. I mean because games will start to tighten up about I think they're gonna I think you'll see a much tighter game in game four and game five than we've seen at all here in game one through three. And I think that really does play into what Dallas is doing. Because Dallas is doing things that make them successful later in series. Yeah, uh, whereas Colorado it's kind of riffing. They, all they do is riff off the puck. It's it's incredible to watch them play. It's it's super pretty. It's the purest form of hockey. I think it's like it's almost like pond hockey but in a controlled
0: environment. Yeah. So to kind of jump back to uh to just sort of the writing psyche and stuff, you kind of both you guys made a good point about not being over analytical. And obviously with the hockey background, it's easy to yeah, get back into like breaking down a play down to, you know, it's bare bones, but from a writing standpoint when you go into an article, do you kind of have that mindset of okay, I want to write something that even the casual hockey fan can understand or do you want to get into that kind of nitty-gritty and really try to market the people like yourself that are these super niche hockey fans. From my
2: aspect, it comes from a part where I want to get into kind of the details of it. That's kind of my role at DVD is you have guys that get into the analytical part of it with the numbers and, you know, the Corsi, uh, the Fenwick, all that kind of the advanced stats. And you have people who talk about just the overriding arches of the game. I think what I bring to the site is more that detailed, not analytic size, but just like the, just the hockey stuff. What a hockey player sees. I think for the most part, it's tough for people to understand those advanced analytics, but it's easy if you pick out things that they can see and they can kind of understand visually. Why did Haskin in the goal, you know, last night that made it 4-4? You know, why was he trying to angle the puck off the, you know, off the boards? And why was he jumping up into the, the play when he blew his tire? I mean, it's just little things like that. So I think from that standpoint, it's easier for me to kind of dig into the details of the other game and look at it. But it's definitely a little bit harder to kind of bring it down to a level where people who maybe, you know, they don't watch as much hockey, you know, they may not understand the intricacies of it as much. How can I explain it to them on a level that they can kind of understand it and get it mm-hmm. in a way that kind of makes sense? But, I mean, our, our readers at DVD are super informed. They watch all the games. Our comment sections are, you know, really you know educated comment sections. So I don't think we have a, that big of an issue with Dallas hockey fans. I think we've got a, a pretty knowledgeable fan base. So obviously there's new people finding the game all the time, so you know, they're gonna be wanting information that's easy enough for them to kinda of understand and they can say, Okay, you know, next game like look for that kind of play and see you know, this is what happened the first time. You know, there's always adjustments. So I think people need to see that.
0: Yeah, that was kinda of gonna be my next question. I'm glad you touched on that is just being in Dallas and you know, a place that's not necessarily a hockey hotbed. You know, for you know, I, I would imagine a lot of the stars fans are also Cowboys fans and Mavericks fans, and you know, are just kind of sports fans as a whole. So I, I'm glad that you kind of touched on that point too of the fan base that you guys have are these informed hockey fans that know what they're talking about, they know what they want to read, they you know, they understand the intricacies of the game that you guys are obviously highlighting.
1: You know, you might have that really educated fan base, but then also that fan base that it's all kind of out the there, casual, so. yeah, yeah. But then to like kind of hear like, what do you think about? You know the fan base as like a whole, and then also the dedicated ones, like you were talking about.
2: Yeah, I think I think Dallas has a solid you know fan base here. I mean, I think the way I look, at the Dallas fan base is kind of the Winter Classic, right? I mean, yeah, you go to games here, you go to games your entire life. You know, I've been the game. I've been going to hockey games for the Stars that I can remember since like two thousand and two. And you know, you go, you go to the Winter Classic, and you see ninety thousand people at a hockey game, and you know, you find out that yeah, the Stars. You know, hockey community is close knit. It seems like it's kind of like a little fraternity of hockey fans in DFW. But then you just realize how big it actually is, and how you know how excited and how passionate it is. But you've got people, you know, who the so Winter Classic might have been their first hockey game, which is crazy to so those who, those of us who have been to you know regular season games and playoff games through the years. But I bet when they went to that Winter Classic game, they were hooked. So you've always got to you know try to broaden that fan base. But I think the fans that we do have who have been here for a long time are super educated. I don't think we get, you know, the, the acknowledgement that I think a lot of us Texas hockey fans should get. But you gotta think about it, too. You know, Texas hockey isn't just an All-Stars. You've got multiple NAHL franchises. You have a WSHL franchise in Plano. You've got the Americans, you have the Texas Stars, you have the Rampage for years, the Houston Arrows. I mean, you've got a deep hockey history throughout, not the only DFW, but the entire state. And, you know, I think we don't get enough credit for that. Um our minor league hockey and college hockey and, you know, junior hockey footprint is extensive here in Texas and you know, that extends well past the NHL franchise.
1: Yeah, the uh the Brahmas are actually like a fantastic program mm-hmm. all the way from the NA level to youth hockey. That was one program that I always looked at from the outside, like playing in Houston hockey for a while, that I was like, if I wanted to be on another program in in Texas, I would want it to be, like, the Brahmas or, like, the Dallas Stars Elite. Because, like, it's that step above. They have fantastic AAA programs in the NAP. And then the NA Brahmas are... I've I've been to those games. They have pretty dedicated fans there. And I knew people playing on those teams. And, like, that's fun hockey to watch. Like, that's... It's not a stretch. Like, some of those guys are getting drafted, you know, a year out. I
2: remember going to... When I was a kid, I would, you know, when you're playing, when you're a little kid and you're playing House League, you had some of the travel games in the uh, early afternoons or, you know, in the, uh, you know, late mornings. And I remember watching Austin Smith, who was drafted by the Stars, I think way back in, it might have been 2006 or seven. Yeah. And he played for the AAA Alliance program. And I remember watching those games, Alliance versus it might have been the ice shuts or you know, the, the triple a elite, and those were as a kid, those are just awesome games to watch because you look at those seventeen eighteen year old kids and that's like the those are so close to your age you that you can almost touch that and look at it and go like, I could be that good, and then if I'm that good if those what if those guys are that good, like what's the next level of good yeah, um, you know. So I think you know here in Texas, you've got you know, a really good hockey footprint. You've got triple A teams that compete for national championships. you got double A teams that compete for national championships. You know, our development is going, you know, through the roof. We've sent, you know, Seth Jones to the NHL. Yep. Uh you know, Coleman out of Tampa Bay, who's a Texas kid, Stefan Noizen and all those guys are, you know, Texas products that you know really putting Texas hockey on the map. So I think that's good that we're, you know, fine with sending guys to the NHL.
1: Yeah, and I believe Ben Bishop played for the Tornadoes when they were around, right?
2: Yeah, he did. He actually, yeah, he stayed here for a year in Frisco, played for the for the Tornado. I think back in 2006, before he went off to Maine. Yep. Uh, maybe it was before that, but yeah, he went to go play for Maine right out of the, from the Tornado program, and he says he loved it here at Frisco. And um, yeah, you know, those games are always so much fun to go to as well.
0: Yeah. So, kind of jumping around a little bit, going back into to Defending Big D and just kind of the SB Nation as a whole. You know, one thing that I love about SB Nation personally is it's a media outlet or a journalism outlet that doesn't function as one, right? Like, it gets fans of each individual team to kind of tell their side. It's not this, like, hey, we have to tell both sides of the story. We can't show favoritism. Like, obviously, it gets away from that, and it's just straight up a sports blog. So going into that, you know, from your mindset, how much do you feel – kind of a journalistic integrity sense of like not being so much of a homer, but at the same time, obviously like wanting to appeal to the, the stars fans. Like, do you have that kind of feeling or is it like, no, you know, stars above everything else, bet the house on it, uh, no matter what. So I go into it kind of with a, like a different,
2: like probably like that journalistic integrity mindset. Like I wrote an article about two weeks ago, just ripping the franchise (laughs) about, you know, being mediocre. In my opinion, at the time, you know, when they were in that, you know, that long winless streak, and they just couldn't get out of it. And I think that's something you see from DVD I think we can we can go both ways, right? We'll rip the stars if they're not playing well, and if we see that, you know, it's a systemic issue with you know their franchise and with the way they're playing. But then we'll also be the first ones to kind of you know highlight what they do really well. So I think we've got articles out, you know, this morning about you know the NHL. We're not afraid to take stances on you know, things we, we disagree with. And I think, you know, SB Nation really gives us the the freedom to do that. But from a personal standpoint, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, like, we made our, our series predictions. I'm not going to pick the Stars because I think, you know, that's what Stars fans want to see is, you know, me picking the Stars at 7. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we really do look, you know, at those predictions and at those series and say, you know, do the Stars have a realistic shot at getting out of the series? And I think when you look at our breakdowns, I think it was – Pretty much 50 50 on, you know, the staff picking Colorado or picking Dallas. So it's super interesting to see, you know, how we really attack it. But, you know, throughout the season, I think our coverage is pretty fair. It's uh, pretty even. And, you know, I would say we're all stars fans, but I wouldn't say we're stars, you know, homers to, you know, the nth degree. I think Mm
1: we, you
2: know, we can criticize the team when we want to. And, you know, I think we, we take pride in being able to cover both sides of
1: it. I think that's important for a fan base too, is to like see both sides of it. you know like you don't like you want to support your team and everything, but when things are going bad, you want to identify why. you know you want to give a reason as to you know why why we're losing games and how you can get out of it. and then you know, like you said in this Avs and Dallas series, kind of I thought it was interesting that things are 50 50 because I feel like that's the whole series overall. Is like, you know, who's gonna win this series? Like, I, I really don't know at this point. Like, especially with those first two games from the Stars, I was like, all right, they, they came, they're ready. Yeah, and I think
2: that's part of the part of it, right? I mean, you have to really go into it objectively, but also knowing you're talking to a to a pretty niche market of Stars fans. You know, we're not trying to broaden out and talk to Colorado fans or you know Nashville. We're we're talking to a you know a certain fan base. We need to give them what they want to read. But also, you just strike that balance between, look, we know we're all stars fans here, but it doesn't mean we just, you know, turn a blind eye to, you know, the reason they can't score goals or, you know, the reason their goaltending is not very, is, you know, not great right now. I think those are important for fans to see because it can, it lets the fan base know that, hey, there's different sides to every story. You just don't blindly cheer. You don't have to blindly cheer for the team because, you know, they wear the laundry that you like to cheer for the most. (laughs) But I think, uh, for the most part, it comes down to just really, and I'm repeating myself, but striking that balance between, you know, how do we cover the team fairly, but how do we also make it exciting for star fans who want to come back and
1: read uh, when things are going bad. Yeah, sure. and for like the for like the star fans to understand, like that whole other thing, like I said, is I feel like that's good for a fan base. So it's like, so no one just is looking at a score at the end of the day and being like, oh man, our team sucks, you know, but understand like maybe it was a couple mistakes that night, you know, it, it maybe it's an easy yeah. fix. I think
2: it also helps the this, this fan base in that they won a Stanley Cup like five, six years after they even got here. Yeah, so you've got you, you already have that. They, they somehow they had a built-in benchmark of success that, like, yeah, we we achieved the pinnacle, we won a championship, so we've been there. So the fan base knows they've been there, and now they've seen them kind of drop off, and it's the playoffs for like five years, and now they're building back up. So they know what it's supposed to look like, which is a really good thing in, in Dallas. Is that. We know what a championship looks like. We know how to get there. If we don't see that we're moving in the positive direction, the fan base can recognize that. So I think that's something that the fan base has. A lot of you know newer markets maybe don't experience as much, but I think that also is a, you know lends itself to how I think our fan base is you know really educated about the game and about how things are supposed to work and you know an NHL franchise.
0: So going back to kind of the point of uh, of neutrality and stuff like that. So I'm going to call you out a little bit. Uh, you're on a little bit of a cold streak on your Twitter. You've had a couple takes that have just been errantly wrong. And <laughs> to your credit, I have seen you know the the two a.m. tweets of you responding to yourself, being like, "Yeah, you know, I'll I'll, I'll eat the trash on I'll this bite one." Bite the bullet. Yeah. yeah, which I respect. But kind of going into that too, like as a writer, I mean, obviously as a fan, and you know, we know each other, and you know this about me especially. Like if I say something, like I'm going to stick to it until my head is completely in the sand, right? But I'm also not yeah. putting that into a blog. So, how much do you feel like you have to kind of defend when you come up with these takes, or when you you know have this mindset about a team? How much do you feel like, okay, I've put it out there, like this is what I'm gonna die with, versus no, I'll I'll stand up when I'm wrong, and you know, hand up that one's on me. You
2: know, I'll defend my takes. I was, I know what tweet you're talking about. But, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I said the stars can't score goals. Uh huh. Yeah, that, and then like seven that. goals
0: like, later, turns out. Yikes!
2: <laughs> yeah, but that, but that case comes from you know an entire season. We've got like a 28, you know, ranked offense in the league, and throughout the round robin and even the exhibition game, they couldn't score a goal, um, shut out twice. So I think that comes from you know what you've seen. But I was definitely wrong on that. I'm happy to be proven wrong <laughs> that they can't <laughs> score goals because obviously they, uh, you know, knock on wood, they're scoring plenty. But uh, you know, I think it's, you have to strike that balance again. I mean, you can't just start putting out wild takes because you can kind of you know tank your credibility. Um, you know, just some guys just putting out wild you know takes for no reason. But you also have to you know go on a limb and say and say the things that maybe people don't want to don't want to see. You know, it's like you know, I'm not going to go out there and you know say that Dobie sucks and he's you know not the guy that they need to put Ottinger in. That's just a that's a wild take that you shouldn't make, but. I think you have to be kind of educated in your takes, but also if you're wrong, I I have no issue admitting that I'm wrong because usually if I'm making a couple stars, it's not a positive take at the moment. So <laughs> if they prove me wrong, it's, it's mostly because they turned it around.
0: What do you think is your biggest miss, the biggest thing you went out on a limb and said and you were completely wrong about?
2: I said a couple years ago they needed to trade for Rick Nash at the trade deadline, and I was definitely wrong on that. <laughs> I think the Rangers did end up trading him to Boston, and he did not much, and he retired right after that season. Yeah, so, he was pretty abysmal when biggest, he got
1: traded. my biggest miss.
0: Do you have, on the flip side of that, do you have something that you put your neck out and uh, you were absolutely right and got heralded for?
2: Uh, I said we were going to beat Nashville last year. Um, I wrote an article with a series preview of how the Stars matched up pretty well against the Predators. And I think I picked the Stars in six. Yeah, I think I was right about that. I wouldn't say I was heralded for it, but <laughs> you know, for that one I, I really I really believed it because I mean Nashville was really good. They won the central division. They hung those banners up in the arena. I think when it came down to it, you look at the offense and the forwards and the defense, um and the goaltending, I think Dallas matched up better with Nashville than a lot of people were given credit for. And I I took that take and I was like going against a lot of people, I think, in the you know, general media for hockey so I think that was something I was kind of proud to get right when you dig in and do the research and you're know, you you're proven kind of correct
0: in that they won that series So one last question from me You know, we sat in here, I don't know if you've listened to any of the other Hockey Monkey podcasts but we sat in here and kind of made our predictions and pretty much all of us were really high on the abs and I, you know I kind of came in and said like, I want to be a Stars fan I want to cheer for them to have success but like Colorado is just such a good team so looking forward like if the stars are able to pull out this series, I mean, we were kind of saying off air before we gave you a buzz that, like, things look pretty good going forward if they're able to do this. I mean, where is kind of your mindset just as a fan right now where things sit at 2-1, you know, recording this on, on Thursday morning?
2: Uh, cautious optimism.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's how uh, I'm feeling about it.
2: Yeah. I don't know, man. I watched last night and, you know, I think that when Dallas gets to four, they don't lose very often. When Dallas gets to three, they don't lose very often. So I think they did what they were supposed to do. They came back, they clawed, they took the lead late in the game or at the midpoint of the game or third period, I should say. And I think, you know, two plays in particular kind of the wheels fell off. I mean, I don't like, I didn't like Hayes in the game last night, which I think this might be a bad thing too.
1: He looked. Uh, he looked pretty frustrated at the end of the game, though.
2: Yeah, he did. He he was doing some stuff. I think he was, he was forcing at the end of the game when they scored that fourth goal. I just don't know if the decision was there. I think he could have just chipped that puck out and stayed back on defense. instead of jumping up, but I mean he's a great player. So I think when you have a great player, they they trust their ability. You know, I think I'm going to say this that if you know. Amir and is just good but not great in this series. Dallas is not going to win this series. They need Hayskinen to be great every night. And when Hayskinen's been great for the last five games, they've won all those games. So,
1: yeah.
2: last night he had a good night. He didn't have a great night and the start lost. And I don't really know what he was, you know, everyone falls down, mistakes happen, goals are scored. I have no problem with that. There's one uh, play I did have a problem with was the – the cross-check at center ice on in, But, I mean, the refs have, you know, kind of put their whistles away from the series for a little bit. But, you know, I think going into game four, I think Dallas needs to get back to their their style of game. I, the Dallas Stars cannot beat the Colorado Avalanche giving up, you know, four or five goals a night. It's just not going to happen. But I think Dallas needs to limit them to, you know, two or three Um try to get to, Dallas can get to four or five consistently now, so I think if you keep them to two, you can probably, the Stars can probably get to three, and I think if they need to find their structure. They were out-hit like 79 to 50-something when it came to hits last night, So I think Dallas cannot be out-hit by Colorado throughout the series. If Dallas wants to take it to Colorado, they have to you know out-hit the avalanche and kind of put their stamp on the game. I think they got away from that last night, but Overall, I think this is going to go to the distance. I think it's going to go seven. I never thought Dallas would sweep the Avalanche. Um, I anticipated them losing a couple of games, but I think it's a game that Colorado could use as you know positive momentum. I think Dallas has to answer that off the drop tomorrow night.
0: I think what they need, probably the most important thing, is for uh, some of their beat writers to go on Twitter and talk about how they can't score goals, because that seems to yeah. have been a good mark of success for them.
2: Yeah, I would do that but I would, <laughs> I would think that uh the adverse would happen that they would actually start to not score goals again. yeah <laughs> <So I'm
0: laughs> yeah you mess with I'm the gg that way my... yeah. yeah i don't want to i
2: don't want to poke the the hockey gods there
1: wrapping up my final questions kind of uh we could go in so much more depth on like how the dallas stars can score because the more we talk about it the more i'm like realizing how many pieces they have to their offense but yeah Looking back to last year and then looking forward to next year. So last year they got knocked out in overtime by the St. Louis blues who ended up winning the cup. I took that as a really good sign where it's like, that's one goal, you know, like one goal. And maybe the Dallas stars won the cup last year. You know, I don't know if they maybe would have beat the Bruins, but they would have had a really good chance. And so taking that momentum, picking up some assets over the off season with Pavelski and Perry and then also growing some of these younger players and then moving on to this year, you know, theoretically, whichever way it goes, what is the future for the Dallas Stars? I think the
2: future for the Dallas Stars is really centered around the folks you just mentioned, Ruffay Hens, Dennis Karianoff, uh Miro Haskin and then Tyler Sagan, obviously like we said, he's only you know, 28 or 29 at the moment. So, you know, I think you're pivoting. You're seeing the future of the Stars now. I think you're going to see a much younger version of the Stars going into next year, regardless of what happens this year. I think you'll see a Ty DeLandria come up next year, you know, a Thomas Harley on the back end. I think you'll see, you know, Sek- Sekera leave in the offseason. Um, I don't know about Hidobin. He's playing himself into an expensive contract for a backup goalie because Bishop is still your guy going into next season um so do you you know you have Jake Odden you're saying on the bench as a backup right now does he
1: yeah I was going to mention him he uh was a BU goalie I if I'm like remembering correctly and I I've watched a lot of his stuff in the past and he did pretty good in the AHL playoffs last year and so that's like he's a potential like starting caliber goalie going forward so i feel like that's one of the guys you got to like keep an eye on because bishop has quite the contract on him right now so maybe if you could drop him and kudobin can carry your team as a starting goalie and you just grow ottinger like i feel like their back end's very very solid
2: yeah i think they've got some decisions to make in goal for sure i mean do you let kudobin go and trust ottinger or do you do what you just said buy out you know bishop and let ottinger be the back up to kudobin i mean there's a lot of ways you can slice this one, but I think the most likely scenario is you just, you may re-sign, you know, a into a one-year deal. Um yeah, it goes. A one-year deal, but a one-year deal, and you keep Bishop, and you let Ottinger play one more year in the minors. But I think what we're seeing now for the Stars is yet the present is during the second round we lead against the Avalanche. But I, what I think the Stars have done and what that miro and Draftic allowed the Stars to do is kind of marry the present with the future. You've got a back end with, and Klingberg, Lindell, Alexiak, Johns, who are pretty solid. They're going to be there for a little bit now. They've got those guys tied up. And then you have forwards like Henson, Gariano, um, Dickinson, all those guys who are you know, younger but talented. And you just got to fill in pieces around them. And I mean, I think Sagan's still your best all around player on your forward and your forward group, but. I think what we're seeing is we're seeing a transition away from the Ben Sagan era into you know, an era where you've got Ruben Hintz and Dennis Carriano kind of leading the charge, and then I feel like Megan. a
1: Heiskanen hintz era is coming.
2: Yeah, for sure. And then you've got, you know, like I said, there's players like Jason Robertson or Ty Delandria who are going to fill in those depth roles as you know Como and Carriano come off the books. And you know, you've got you've got players you can build around here. You've got a future. I don't think we're going to go into a rebuild because you've got great pieces in those three guys we just mentioned. This Dallas Stars team reminds me of the mid to late nineties New Jersey Devils. Yeah. Because you've got you've got the back end of Niedermeyer, Danico, uh Stevens, Burkfalski, and then here in Dallas, I mean you've got Klingberg, Lindell, Paskin, Alexiak. You've got a strong D, um, you've got a strong goal sender Bishop or you know, if you do commit to Ottinger in a couple of years, you're gonna have to do that. But then you've got the forwards. I mean, you've got enough forward that can score enough goals within that defensive system and structure that you're going to win hockey games. So I think what you're seeing is you're seeing you know, the Devils kind of, they won that Cup in 95 with kind of an older group, but then they pivoted back to the 2000s, 2000, 2003 with a younger growing group that they married with, you know, veteran depth players throughout the lineup. So I think that's what you're seeing in Dallas, kind of that model. Um, and you guys forget, you don't can't forget that Jim Neal, it's from the Detroit Red Wings, the late '90s, early 2000s, and they were winning
1: championships. Yeah. So he still has that viewpoint in his head too of you know surrounding talent
2: with leadership, with veteran depth, and still being able to build a competitive team with you know an arc towards building a champion. And I think that's been harder in Dallas um, than he expected, just because when he got here, we were coming out of bankruptcy, we were coming out of a really bad you know some lean years
1: here. Mm-hmm. so it's been a, it's been a process for five six years but I think the last two
2: years you're really seeing you know you're seeing the fruits of that labor from Jim Nell. I'm the first one to criticize Jim Nill so.
1: <laughs> yeah and, uh, like I said there's so much more to talk about cause there's you yeah. know that earlier era you know like the the Lightning era you know all of that but the 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 future's bright for the Dallas Stars mm-hmm. I feel like you can't really put it any other way
2: no I would definitely agree I am uh I'd be shocked if the Stars don't, you know, go on, you know, maybe a five-, six-year run of just of straight making the playoffs and competing, you know. Maybe not for Cups every year they're in the playoffs, but they'll be in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and that's huge yeah. for a fan base too, especially, like, going deep. I think it's the team that can do it. I mean, I know, we're, I know you said we're running low on time, but I think all
2: the stuff that happened with Dallas this year, is that you know, that 1-7 and one start, you know, losing Montgomery, the skid going into the bubble, um... I think that's hardened this team. They were down three one last night and at no point, you know, did I think they couldn't come back and rip off three or four goals in the third three and win a hockey game. So I think that helps this team. I think it helps that I think they have an internal belief where they know they're not out of anything, they keep working and that's what you need to have a championship team. And they're not gonna go away and I think Colorado was a little stunned in the first two games knowing that the Dallas team is a whole different animal than anything they faced this season.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. As we kind of kind of wrap up here, yeah, definitely excited. Well, hopefully, you know, in the near future, the three of us can catch uh, catch another Stars game, maybe with a few more banners up at AAC in the uh, in the near future. But yeah, we'll kind of wrap up here. Rob, thank you so much. If you guys are interested in checking out more of his writing, check out Defending Big D in the SB Nation family at uh, rmcclay 21 on Twitter. We'll be sure to throw that in the description if you want to see any uh, any takes that Robert has to walk back at the end of hockey games. You will find them there. But uh, yeah, Robert, as always, buddy, thanks so much, man. Thanks, boys. Uh,
2: have a good rest of your day
1: and thanks for having me
0: on. Yeah, yeah for sure. We'll good talk to, to, to you. you. See you, boys. All right. Thank you again to our buddy Robert McClay from Defending Big D for coming on Off the Ice. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. We will be back again next week with Monkey Business, the Lacrosse Monkey Podcast. We'll be back talking hockey again with the outer role. We've got Ev Bomarito from Vaughn Custom Sports. He will be joining us, another recurring guest. We had a very fun one when he came on in February, I believe it was. So we'll be back with him talking a little bit of goalie stuff. We'll be back for Off the Ice, the Hockey Monkey Podcast, in a month's time. Looking at a few different people, we're going to try to nail down. But again, we'll be very close to that Stanley Cup finals. So we will have a lot of Stanley Cup talk in that episode. But again, as always, thank you guys so much for supporting our content. Staying subscribed to the Monkey Sports Podcast. As we had mentioned at the top of the episode, podcast10 at hockeymonkey.com. Get you 10% off your entire order. Make sure to plug that one in. Let us know what you think of the new site. We'll see you next time.